Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines. And John, we appreciate you as always. And man, I'd love to deep dive into all things NFL. I'd love to deep dive into Jarrett Stidham, a guy that you saw at Baylor. I'd love to deep dive into everything. But the most important thing right now is DeMar Hamlin, uh, the young safety from the Bills who uh, we saw be hospital or uh, taken by way of ambulance to a hospital last night in Cincinnati, still there in critical condition. You've been covering the league a lot longer than me. Have you ever seen anything like what we saw last night on Monday Night Football? I have not, but it reminded me of Chuck Hughes 50 years ago in October, died on the field, only player in NFL history died on the field. He was Detroit receiver he was coming back to the huddle and uh, he collapsed and died of a heart attack his his wife uh who lives somewhere in texas i think san antonio nbc tracked her down today and she was watching the game last night because she's a fan yeah and uh she talked about it and compared it to her husband and she called the medical what they had as far as medical in 1971 she said stone ages compared to what they have now. And I think that's why Hamlin was very fortunate. Every NFL stadium has an emergency response. Mm-hmm. It's activated anytime something like that happens. They go over it with teams they know. If you're going to have a cardiac arrest, if you're not at the hospital to have it, the best place is at an NFL stadium. And those people who saved his life, brought him back to life because he wasn't breathing, his heart wasn't beating, there was no pulse, at some point when he is recovered, and hopefully he'll make a full recovery, you know he's gonna he is gonna wanna thank them and many others for saving his life. I thought the people on ESPN did a tremendous job under unprecedented circumstances. Mm-hmm. I thought that uh, the 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 pictures, the videos, the T V camera, the there's gonna be a lot of awards won, Q, by photographers shooting pictures of the players, especially when the Bills were all on a knee and it looked like they were a donut and uh, when they were praying. And and I thought that ESPN handled it very well. They didn't show any of the CPR or them shocking his heart back into rhythm. They didn't show anything that was happening to him, but all, a lot of those players were sitting there looking at it. And I've seen players paralyzed. I've seen players' careers end because of vicious hits. And, but I've never seen anybody in that situation. When he made the tackle, I thought that was a great tackle. And then he got up and he collapsed. And I thought, man, he must have hit his head. Mm-hmm. And then they showed the replay and he did not. The first thing I thought about was I thought of a heart attack. He had a heart attack, even though he's only 24 years old. And I think when he comes out of it and his Mama is going to tell him, son, guess what happened to the $2,500 you were raising for toys for Christmas? Yeah. And no telling what it's going to be up to at that point, Q. It could be seven, eight million dollars. And, uh, hopefully he'll have a full recovery. Don't know if he'll ever play again. There was a hockey story player got a puck in the chest. He collapsed. I think he came back and played. He was a soccer player in Europe. I think they administered CPR to him for like 70 minutes, and he recovered. Hopefully, Hamlin will come back and lead a normal life. 
That's all we could hope for. I mean, that is all we could hope for. And, yeah, I just checked that GoFundMe. It's up to $5 million about, as of about five minutes ago. So, I mean, there, Isn't there's that been unbelievable. A, that I is. It reminded me of when J.J. Watt during Hurricane yep. Harvey and we were in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas, because they couldn't get back to Houston from New Orleans. It's a preseason game. So Cowboys let them use their, their facility. Media went up there and uh, – J.J. Watt was in his hotel room. He put out a video saying he'd like to raise 200000 and he would put in the first 100000 and end up being $41.7 million. So people are just so gracious and generous, and you know that Hamlin and his family will be so appreciative. You brought up Stidham, and I have to tell you a story. Yep. When he, he was, he's from Stephenville, where Art Browse, was a great high school coach. He committed to Texas Tech. Browse got him decommitted commit to Baylor. And before his freshman year, Browse told me he thought he had a chance to be better than RG3. And Robert Griffin III had just won the Eisen Trophy. So he played as a freshman. He did pretty well. Then he had an injury. Then the scandal hit. You know, then he went to McLennan, didn't have any eligibility, so he played football. He ended up at Auburn. He married the daughter of Tad Brown, the longtime president of the Houston Rockets, who's now with, I believe, the Philadelphia 76ers. And when he and Tad had told me his first couple of years with the Patriots, he really liked Nick Casario, their personnel director, because Nick played quarterback in college, John Carroll, and he goes to practice every day. And we see him in training camp, throwing the ball around to the receivers. And as the third quarterback, he worked some with Stidham. And I kept thinking he's going to get Jared Stidham in Houston. But instead, the Raiders made the trade. I was stunned that he did what he did. But knowing Josh McDaniels and his system as well as he does, I guess we shouldn't have been surprised. And having one more game before you become a free agent, whew, everything's about timing. I'd love to see Stidham play really well and earn a big payday uh, with a new contract. You know, let me ask you this, because a lot of folks, and I was impressed as well, and you know, I saw him up close to personal when he was at Baylor and knew he was a hell of a quarterback, but a lot of people are saying he had that success because there was no film on him. What, what do you think uh, not having the film on Jarrett Stidham did for his performance on Sunday? Now, anybody says that, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard, <laughs> because number one, there is film on him. He played in preseason. He had p- plenty of film back at Auburn, and it was the best defense in the NFL. Yeah. They were number one in every category. And if you didn't know which, if they had switched uniforms, you might have thought the Raiders were the 49ers. He did a fantastic job. The Raiders did a fantastic job in that game, and I felt terrible when they weren't able to pull it out. But it wasn't his fault, the interception. You know, Bosa drove the guy back into him. But if you're a Raiders man, you got to feel really good because – I know when they sat Derek Carr for these last two games, people are like, well, they're just going to lose them both and get a higher draft choice. And instead of came out and lit up D'Amico Ryan's defense like nobody else has lit it up this season, now he's got a chance to do it against the Chiefs. Right, exactly. Another division rival or another rival uh, at home at Allegiant Stadium. So that should be something to get excited about as they close things down. Let, let me ask you this, John, about just kind of moving forward from this whole, uh, you know, Hamlin situation. I was asked earlier, 
how does the NFL or when does the NFL, you know, when, when can they get back to business as usual so they don't look insensitive, but at the same time get back to business as usual because they have to? They got to play this weekend. They could call this a no contest. They could call it a tie. My solution would be this, play all the games this weekend, and then because you have the bye week between championship games and the Super Bowl, move all the playoffs back a week. There have been a lot of times when there was no bye week between the championship games and the Super Bowl. Players and coaches liked it. They don't like all that off time. So what you would do, you would play this weekend, and a wild card weekend there would be one game. And, uh, and it could be for home field advantage. It could be for the first seed. Uh, but they would know what was going on with the other games. That was such a huge game. Mm-hmm. And any of the three teams, the Bills, the Bengals, or the Chiefs, could have gotten home field advantage. And when they, if the Bills uh, lost it and Kansas City beats Raiders, Kansas City gets home field advantage in the bye. So there was a lot at stake. But I'll tell you this, Q, if Roger Dell says, look, where there's no contest, it's a game that wasn't played, that would work against the Bills because they would play one less game against the Chiefs, and if the Chiefs beat the Raiders, they would get home field advantage. So somebody's going to be disappointed, but because it's an unprecedented situation, I don't see anybody complaining about it. John McClain is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You can catch John with gallerysports.com, also Sports Radio 610. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, John, I don't know if you've seen it, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Dominique Foxworth was the president of the NFL Players Association, and he mentioned about how when fans, where when there's a strike or a lockout, and how they don't get the support when it comes to the CBA negotiations and the things that the players have to fight for. Do you think a situation like this, not saying leverage in a greedy sense of the word, but that maybe more more account will be held on the fans if when these players want to get these negotiations, when it's health care or whatever other rights that they're fighting for when it comes to negotiations with the owners? I don't know why in the world he'd be talking about something like that at a time like this. And the fact is, they have a CBA that is so long, 10 years, they just negotiated it, so the NFL doesn't have to do anything. And the fans, the fans is like big business. You know, the owners are supposed to make money. They're supposed to be worth billions. And the players are the ones that move. I always point out, players can get cut anytime. Look what happened to Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. He signed a contract in good faith, and now he's watching on TV or whatever he did. And is going to do because so players should get every single dollar they can get. Yep. And if people don't like it, too bad. If those people have an opportunity to get to leave a job and go get more money, they do it in our day. No doubt. And, uh, I think <laughs> that's why players are worth everything because they can be cut at any moment. I agree 100%. Again, John McClain is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. We'll close out with this. You mentioned Derek Carr, and uh, he did get sat down last Wednesday. I know on Tuesday we had talked about him briefly. Uh, what did you think of that, and, and how many teams do you think will have interested in Derek Carr in the offseason? If I'm Carr, I'm looking for a team that needs a veteran quarterback that has a chance to go to the Super Bowl. They're like Tennessee. Tennessee's going to need a new quarterback. I think about the Titans. You know, It'd be great if they just release him and let him negotiate a new contract. Nobody's going to take on the contract that he's got. And the Jets are another one. You know, they Mike White is the fan favorite. He didn't do squat in that last game. And I think Zach Wilson's going to have to get a new zip code. 
I would think the Jets, where they got a great defense and a good running game when Brace Hall comes back from his surgery, would be another one. I don't know if the Colts want another veteran quarterback. I think that, like the Texans, they need to draft one and develop them. But there will be opportunities for him. And uh, I don't think Tua Tungvaluwa's career is over. He's too good. He's, he makes too much money. But uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater got a hurt. Now they're down playing Shaq Thompson, the rookie. So Carr's going to have offers. And uh, I think that uh, hopefully he'll pick the best situation for him. Let me ask you guys, just because he's not going to play, why wasn't he at the game cheering on his team? Well, they said, John, and this is what they said, that it was mutual – uh, interest in that they both decided that that was they didn't want to be a, a distraction. That was what was told to us. Yeah, if I would have thought Carr had been on the sideline here helping Jared Stidham in any way he could, you know, maybe they told him don't show up since you're going to be gone. But it's not a good look, and he's meant so much to that franchise. You know, he he's a good team guy. I think he should have been right there showing people he's a good team guy, exhorting his team to beat the 49ers and try to beat the. The, uh, the win that bitter, bitter, bitter AFC West rivalry game with the Chiefs. Yeah, it's coming up this Saturday. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, the final game of the Legion, final game of the season for the Silver and Black this year. Well, John, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610, what you got coming out? I'm uh, writing on gallerysports.com tomorrow, all of my award winners. And uh, for sportsradio610.com, I'm writing about Hopefully, the Texans will lose to the Colts, have the first overall pick of their draft, and their pick of Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Well, you know, Derek Carr has uh, ties to Houston. Any interest by the Texans? No, they don't want a veteran. They're bad. They, right. need, a, they need a young guy. And I doubt Derek would want to come back here based on everything that happened to David. I'm just He needs to go to a good team that he can help go to the playoffs. Makes a lot of sense. Well, John, thank you so much for your time, my man. I do appreciate you. Hopefully you and the wife had a really happy New Year's, and uh, we appreciate you as always. We did. Q, DeMond, thank you very much. I'll talk to you guys next week, and we can be getting ready for the playoffs. There you go. Sounds good. There he goes. John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL on Twitter. Why don't we go ahead and hook it up, man? 702-365-9200, Raider gift, image gift card. Right now is going to get you in to win the Ultimate Raiders hookup, which is two tickets to the Chiefs game this Saturday, two field passes, an autographed jersey. I even heard a parking pass was involved in that as well. So we're going to try to get you in to win right now by giving you $35 to the Raider image gift card. Hit us up right now. Call number 9, 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Doc Flynn will be joining us at 3.30. That's Dr. Dr. Jessica Lynn, sports doctor. She'll be joining us to talk about what she saw, talk about the training that goes into what everyone did on that field there in Cincinnati on Monday night uh, to put Tamar Hamlin in the position that he's in right now in the hospital. And, yes, he's in critical condition. But for them to be able to spring into action, have the training, have the wherewithal, the know-how, to get it done is very impressive. We heard John McClain just a little while ago talk about uh, what happened back in 71 and that, hey, the medicals were not what they are now, right? And, and all obviously the training is not what it is now. And the fact that, you know, her husband, uh, he was talking about that had died on the field. And, well, luckily that didn't happen last night on Monday Night Football. But we'll talk to Doc Flynn coming up 
at 3.30. We have a couple minutes for open lines here at 702-365-9200. Want to shout out to Franco. He was the winner of the $35 Raider image gift card that gets him in to win the Ultimate Raider hookup, which is two tickets to the Chiefs game, two field passes, autographed jersey. And I even heard uh, potentially they're throwing in a parking pass as well. Don't quote me on that, but I do believe that that might be part of the package. But, hell, you get two tickets to the game, two field passes, and autographed jersey, man, you, you, you can almost keep the parking pass, right? I'll figure out how to get there on my own. So uh, big ups to Franco for being in to win. We'll have a couple more of those before we get the winner of the grand prize. Right now, let's go out to the phone lines and talk to our good friend who I saw at the Oyo yesterday, Raider Reggie. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Man, first of all, I, I can't even go where I was going with the win, uh, winning that package. I, I'm going to try my best all week until y'all stop doing it. But uh, I I left you yesterday. When I, when I left, I got in the car, and I heard them say that he collapsed. Right. And I didn't understand because it was a little – it was like I caught the end of what they were talking about. And then when I got home and I saw it – I've been in a in a fog, man. I got four boys and a daughter, and I cannot imagine just dealing with that right now. I just can't do it. So, um, one, I I really appreciate everybody that's praying for them. Uh, this is where we all come together and set aside our differences. And I really that's that's something I really admire about us. Even when you know we got different thoughts and we we go at each other so much online and all the different things we do to attack each other and then something like this pulls us together man so just keep praying for the young man damar hamlin and uh raider nation i appreciate y'all too they've been helping me get through some things for a while so i really really appreciate it um being at that game man uh last week was amazing I expected the the red cloud to come in and and mess everything up. But right. I did not expect Stidham to get down like he did. Also, look at what the players was doing. Not just Stidham, the players was laying it all out on the line. Mm-hmm. That 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 catch. Uh... Did we lose him? Did we? Oh, we lost. Uh, we lost Raider Reggie. Uh, that did catch my attention. I think that's where you're going with that. Yeah, it caught my – oh, okay, there you go. Raider Reggie, you're back. Yeah, yeah. so the trip about it is, though, is we could only hope for so much. I'm not sitting here going, oh, this is the greatest thing since peanut butter. Right. But it's a good thing. It's It's something that you could at least put in the bag and say, well, he's looking good. You get another chance to look at him again next week. What he did in the preseason, he looked good. I saw a lot of plays where he was getting out of trouble and extending plays. So I can't really go all out about what it was like other than it was exciting to see. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that we could come up and step our game up from this day forward and next year we have something to really be rooting for and not have our hearts crushed again by a bad season. Raider Nation, stand up. Raider Nation Radio, I love y'all, man. I'm, y'all just don't understand how y'all do so much for people like me. I'm an Army vet that went through depression. I was homeless, and I'm in a situation now where I'm loving life, 
And I'm thankful, so thankful to be able to reach out and touch people like yourselves and and your fan base. So stand up, thank y'all, and hey, let's see y'all next week. Hopefully I'll win that package, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> there you go. I appreciate you. It's Raider Reggie. And, uh, yeah, man, that's what we're here for, man. We're here for you. We're here for Raider Nation. We're here. Uh, we try to do the very best we can. Community base is what is what we are. And, and again, I started off the show talking about the community. It's, it's much larger than just Las Vegas. I'm talking about uh, Raider Nation in general, right? Bay Area, L.A., overseas. I don't care where Texas. I don't care where you're calling from. You know what I mean? Like everywhere. Uh, that that is that is who we are trying to make sure that we take care of, and we definitely do appreciate you coming up at three thirty. Doc Flynn, she'll join us to talk about the training that goes into everything that happened on Monday night, and how a lot of the responders sprung into action and made sure that Demar Hamlin made it to the hospital and and gave himself an opportunity. And we'll talk about that. We'll do it next here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Spent a lot of time talking about what we saw Monday Night Football with DeMar Hamlin, the Bills' safety, what happened with him, ultimately happened with him as he is taken to the hospital. Critical condition is where he is right now in Cincinnati and not going to speculate on anything that's going on. We'll find out the information as we find out the information, but we have done a lot of talking about that and we'll continue to do that right now with our next guest. And that's Dr. Jessica Flynn, docflynn.com. And Doc, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you. It's been a minute since we talked. I hope everything is well. Hope you had a happy new year. And I hate that we're, we're meeting again on these kind of terms, talking about something that we saw on the football field. But I mean, you're trained in this profession. You, you know what you saw when you saw it. What was going through your mind when you saw uh, Demar on the on the turf there in Cincinnati? Yeah, thanks for having me on, and I agree. I wish it was under better circumstances. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I admit I was scared when I saw that last night. And I always say it's, it's, it's easy when you're the doctor or the medical provider in the situation. It's much harder to watch. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a scary situation. I think, um, the medical teams were incredible. I, he got incredible care. I mean, within seconds of the injury, um, got first class high, you know, really, really high quality CPR, um, and was able to leave the stadium and the ambulance, um, and get to a hospital quickly. So that, um, I think was a big positive message from the night. In that type of situation, how critical is it that it is split second and, okay, let's jump into action and, and not, you know, sit around and stand around thinking, okay, what do I do? Because those precious seconds are exactly that. They're very precious. When you're dealing with a, a cardiac arrest, it, especially in a young athlete on a field, it's imperative um, that you have a defibrillator and high-quality CPR available immediately. One minute makes a giant difference in this situation. So, you know, I would just tell anyone listening, if your kid plays, uh, you know, high school sport, or if you're an athletic director, it's not okay to have the AED, you know, in the school. It has to be at the field. It has to be right there. It has to be um, easily accessible, easily usable um, right away. Again, we're talking- um, so that, that was key. Again, we're talking with Dr. Jessica Flynn here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, Damon's uh, got one for you. Yeah, so many of us, when we think of CPR, we just think of a few chest compressions. But can you go into detail about the CPR procedure and what an AED actually does to the heart? Yeah, of course. That's a great question. So um, CPR is basically done when a patient is not able to breathe or and or 
um, their heart isn't pumping blood normally um, to all the organs in their body, and most importantly, their brain. Um, and you do that um, with the hope of being able, you know, to give whatever the condition is time to reverse itself. Sometimes you need to, when the heart is the issue, you actually need to shock the heart to reset it, um, if you will. And an AED is a little device that is an amazing machine that you apply um, to a person who, who doesn't have a pulse. And it will read their sort of like a, a mini EKG, and it will tell you if their heart is doing something that might respond to a shock. And if it thinks that it will, it will tell you to stay away from the patient, and it will deliver shocks. Um, and it will keep repeating that, you know, as you continue to do CPR. And so it really is a remarkable thing. I can't say for sure that it was used last night because um, I wasn't there. Um, I know we heard reports, but I don't think any of them were confirmed from the field. Right. But uh, definitely CPR was delivered. And I know that every case may be different, but when it comes to using an AED or CPR, how long does it take to resuscitate a, a patient? Uh, it can take any amount of time. So it can be, you know, oh, we've got everything set up, and oops, we don't need it. Right. Um, and then sometimes, unfortunately, these things, you know, they go on for a really long time to a point where, um, you know, a medical doctor would voice concern that it may not be fruitful at that point to continue. So sometimes it will continue all the way to the hospital. Um, my husband's an ER doctor, and unfortunately, he needs to make that decision sometimes. Dr. Jessica Flynn is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You can check out her, her work at docflynn.com and again with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So as a trained professional as you are, while you're watching while, while you're watching everything kind of shake out on Monday Night Football, how long did it take for you to realize, oh, this is way more serious than, than what we are, have kind of grown to expect? Uh, well, I, I mean, a couple of seconds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a very scary scene, and yeah, that I think it was just a couple of seconds. You know, because it's, it's, it's so, I was saying earlier in the show, I feel like we're desensitized to a certain point where we're like, okay, they'll put him on a stretcher, and then he'll put the thumbs up, and everything will be fine. But like you said, it, it didn't take long to realize that this, this felt different, right? It felt different than, than those scenarios, and those are scary enough as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's a violent sport, and we get numb to to injuries, and players expect them. They know it's, you know, a 100% injury rate. They're going to happen. Um, so you're right. I think it was eye-opening for a lot of people. What goes into the training? Do you know that? Because it's obviously it's not something that you just go down to the, you know, the, the, the local YMCA and get training. You're good to go. I mean, this is extensive. So uh, for these, these young men and women that are in these positions that we don't celebrate enough because they're doing such great work and helping us and helping athletes like this, what all goes into that training? This is a situation that um, we drill for at all levels. I mean, I coach middle school football, and even the coaches sort of have, like, this mini training for it. Um, but you're right. Advanced cardiac life support is something that there, there's a special doctor at all the games. Um, their job is just in case there's ever an emergency like this where a patient um, isn't able to breathe on their own or something happens to their airway, that doctor's job is just to maintain the athlete's airway um, and get oxygen into their lungs and get carbon dioxide out of their lungs. And there's just, there's a huge staff. And, and I think some of, you know, the, tra the athletic trainers are incredibly important 
the EMTs, I mean, if this happened to someone you know, and it wasn't on an NFL field, the first person that gets to them almost always is going to be an EMT. And I think they're really under-celebrated and under-appreciated. Um, they do great work. So, you know, there's a lot of people that deserve credit for, um, you know, giving this athlete the best care in, in an absolutely horrific situation last night. I couldn't have said it better myself. Doc Flynn is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Damon. You mentioned how you're a middle school football coach. When it comes to the coverage that I've seen today, so many people didn't even think that this would be a possibility because it was just such a standard routine tackle. And I know that we have the science behind a lot of things today, but is there a actual force or not like so much of a specific number that if your heart gets hit at this, at this like rate or this speed, that that's when you know someone would be in trouble? No, and, you know, I think I just want to say that I think there's been a lot of misinformation shared. I know, like, it all comes from a good place. Medical people, we just want to comfort everyone. You know, everyone comes to us with questions when things like this happen, and we want to make people feel better. But the reality is we don't know what happened last night. We don't know what caused that. Um, You know, it was clearly a cardiac arrest. There are a lot of reasons that a cardiac arrest can happen in a young athlete. It's really, really rare But when it does happen, it can be for a variety of reasons. It might not have been that blunt force, you know, to his chest. Because you're right, it was a pretty standard tackle. Um, It's more about the timing of the tackle, if it is related to that, or the, the, the trauma to the chest. And that's called commotio cordis. And it is a rare event. We see it more in things like lacrosse, where there's a high velocity ball that can hit in a very specific area and generate a really high force. Um at just the wrong time in the heart cycle that kind of stops the heart from doing its job appropriately, like short circuits it. But we don't know that's what happened. I know know I'm reading about it. I'm seeing it on the news. We don't know that's what happened. And so I think we just need to wait and see and just keep praying for this young athlete. I agree 100%. Matter of fact, you put out on DocFlynn.com prayers for DeMar Hamlin, and you really went into that uh, about not knowing what happened and, and really just put a lot of prayers and, and thoughts into, into him and obviously his family. We did get a text, Doc, that said, can you ask the doc if it's true that when you do CPR now, you don't do mouth-to-mouth anymore, you just do chest compressions? So there has been more of an emphasis on chest compressions, um, but we still deliver breath uh, okay. if possible. Okay, there you go. That's that's why we have you on uh, on here to answer the the tough questions like that. I had I hadn't even heard that. So uh, there you go. You're, you're educating us as we go along. And uh, I did hear uh, another report. As you mentioned, it's not it's not a uh, you know we don't have any idea. But I, I heard that there's a chance that you won't hear information. You know quickly. Like obviously, we all want to hear something as soon as possible. It might take a while. I mean, is that something that's kind of standard or I guess we really don't know right yeah it's um I mean it it's common again this is a specific scenario so I can't comment on this specific scenario but it is common you know once you initially stabilize a patient who's gone through such a traumatic event for it to take time to sort of know what the lasting impact will be um so it, it this unfortunately is common. It's really frustrating for us. I just you know, I just like all of you, I just can't wait and, and hope to hear some good news soon. 
Yeah, we all hope for for the good news, Doc. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking out some time. I know you've been very busy today because uh, everyone, we all want the information. We all want the answers right away, and we have to be very patient and just wait for it to come out as it comes out and not speculate on what's going on. But, uh, uh, Doc, thanks so much for your time. I, I do appreciate you, and uh, hopefully we talk soon and we won't be talking about something bad like this. Yeah, I'd love to complain about some refereeing. So give me a call when you're ready to do that. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it, Doc. I appreciate you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. See ya. There she goes. Uh, Doc Jessica Flynn right there. DocFlynn.com. That's Doc. F-L-Y-N-N.com if you want to check out her work. And uh, unfortunately, the few times that I've talked to her, it's always about something bad, right? I mean, it's just that's just kind of what it is. You know, I think uh, one of the first times I talked to her is when the pandemic hit, right? And then, of course, uh, other situations that pop up. And, you know, a sports doctor as she is, uh, she's a good little go-to for uh, little signs of information and, and nuggets of information. We got a text from the 909 from Raider at T. 100% everyone should have basic CPR training. You never know when you might need it. Bad CPR is better than no CPR. My mom only knew chest compressions and saved my stepdad's life. That's from Raider at T. That's fantastic stuff. Didn't even think about that. And I'm sure that a lot of people are going to, you know, think about that and, and probably should think about that. And like you said, uh, I guess bad CPR is better than no CPR. Um, and I don't know either one. So uh, there you go. So Raider at T, thank you so much for that. 342 is the time. When we come back, uh, Vinny Bonsignor had an opportunity to go inside the Raiders locker room on Sunday and talk with uh, Raider safety Deron Harmon one-on-one. You'll hear that conversation next as we close out hour number two of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Raider Nation, we appreciate you for rocking with us this afternoon. And if it's three hours long or 30 minutes long, whatever the case may be, we do appreciate your time spent listening with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. And maybe you start off with the morning tailgate with Clay, Vinny, and Heidi. JT the Brick, 12 to 2. Of course, myself and Damon, 2 to 5 p.m. Again, right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network. He'll join us, uh, get a player's point of view. We'll also ask him about the game as him and Jason Horowitz were on the call on Sunday, what he thought about Stidham, what he thought about Stidham in Josh McDaniel's offense, right? And it's, it's kind of hard to focus in just on football when we're talking about what we've been talking about uh, when it comes to uh, Tamar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills and what's going on with him after what we saw from Monday Night Football. But we do want to try to get in some football conversation as well. Well, uh, we'll go out to the phone lines in a hot minute. I do want to hit the text line real quick, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Mailman Raiders at Q. First off, prayers up to the young man, hopeful for a full recovery, and shout out to those first responders. Second, Stidham reminded me a lot of pre-broken leg car. Not super athletic, but athletic enough to escape and pick up some yards. A pocket passer who can sling it when needed or manage uh, when needed. Obviously, he didn't get it done, but I like what I saw. Doing his best to pick up a contract and not be a backup next season. That's from Mailman Raider. And, you know, that you weren't the only one who pointed that out. Uh, matter of fact, I believe Paul Gutierrez uh, said it to me in the, in the press box on Sunday. Uh, I think we were at halftime uh, right after the Ice Cube and Two Short show, and he said, you know, this looks a lot more like – Derek Carr before he broke his leg he was mobile he was willing to run he uh, didn't think about it he just took off right and so uh, that's a that's a good comparison that you have there mailman Raider thank you so much for that let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200 let's talk to our guy Bledsoe welcome to the show what's on your mind hey how about that game yeah I called in saying we're gonna hang 40 on these guys we're gonna hang 40 on the Chiefs just think we had those defenders back that did the mass exodus we just scored 50 on the Niners. <laughs> We're going to win a Super Bowl next year, dog. All right. Even, 
Hey, and, uh, you know, Stidham's got the same problems that call, last caller, great observation. You know, he's like, he's like car with wheels, which right. could win. But, hey, wait till you see the quarterback next year throwing to those three receivers, running with Josh, get Diablo and that. You know, I, dude, we had a tremendous defense just handing the ball back to Carr, handing the ball back to Carr, and they just got tired of it. And they, you know, you see what kind of team we got. We, we beat the number one team in the, in the league by 50 points if we had our defense last night. Anyway, that's my take. Aloha. All right, Bledsoe, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And I think that the defense got a lot of work to do. I think that they've definitely got to uh, add some more players back there uh, and guys that are playmakers, something that I emphasized on yesterday's show a lot. Playmakers, playmakers, playmakers. Not just guys that will do their job, but also playmakers. Uh, let's get a next another text in, 69187, keyword R&R, so don't be broke.com. Text line, this one's from Tiki Raider out of Denver. It says, hey, Q. All I could do is send prayers to DeMar's family. I was watching the game with my two boys, and all I could do is hold them close after seeing what happened. I hope he pulls through, and like you said on your podcast and on your show, some things are bigger than just football. Much love. And, and that's, that's all you can do, man. That's really all you can do. We're in a situation where we're very far away and far removed from the situation and, and what happened, but also with it being a primetime game on Monday Night Football and that being such a big highlight. And not to mention, it was such a high-profile game, right? That was the big thing. We had talked about that as the best Monday Night Football game of the year outside of the Raiders and Chiefs Week 5, right? I mean, this game has so much riding on the line. Everybody was paying attention to that. And then as it happened, I mean, everyone – listening to the game or watching the game just kind of sat there and you know I, I I knew immediately when you know he went down I thought okay you know worst case scenario he's going to be you know carted off the field and then they said well they're back in an ambulance onto the field and I thought well that's not really normal right and again I'm listening to this I'm driving I'm listening to Kevin Harlan who did a fantastic job if I get a chance to talk to Kevin Harlan anytime soon I'll definitely, you know, I would love to have a conversation about what he was thinking while he was going through, uh, you know, and, and kind of delivering the information as he was getting it. He did a fantastic job of just describing what he's seeing. And Kurt Warner saying, hey, I, you know, I'm a Hall of Famer and I've never seen something like this, you know, in, in this scenario. And then to get the reports from Lisa Salters from ESPN, who I think is one of the best sideline reporters in the business, saying that, you know, CPR is being performed on the field, you know, and then later on, that was the thing later on when I got to the house and I'm, I'm watching Ryan Clark on ESPN. I'm watching Lisa Salters and I, I hear breaking in their voice. Like Lisa Salters is almost in tears while she's describing what's going on on the field. That to me, man, that all of a sudden was like a chain reaction. Then hearing Ryan Clark talking about the fact that, you know, this is a 24-year-old man, uh, you know, who, who had to uh, have his mother ride in the ambulance with him to the hospital. Like that, that got me. Right there, when I'm thinking about it, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about me as a child, and anytime I would get bruised, I, I busted my chin up as a kid, you know, and and uh, and had to get a, a hospital ride or an ambulance ride to the hospital, and my, my mom was a wreck, and that was just my that was just my chin. That's gonna be all right. That's just gonna be some stitches, right? So I can only imagine, you know, what his mother is thinking as she's one in the stands and watching the game. Like I tried to put myself in that position sitting in the stands, watching my kid play ball, and then all of a sudden see my kid go down. And, and anyone who's ever been at any game watching their kid play, and all of a sudden they, they, they hit the ground, whether it's basketball, football, whatever the case may be, soccer, whatever it is, we as parents always say, get up, get up. get." And, and when they jump up, you're like, okay, cool. 
But when it takes them a couple seconds to, to jump up, you're like, hold on. Come on, jump up. I do that right now. I watch my son play basketball at Western Oregon all the time, and if he falls and he don't get up immediately, I'm like, get up, boy. <laughs> like, you know, like, you're, you're all right. And, and, and I say that not because I know he's all right. I say that for myself. I say that to, to convince myself that he's all right. All right, you're all right. So it's not even like trying to convince him, right? It's, it's, it's to convince my own self that, yeah, he's cool. He's good. He's going to be fine. And then when he does jump up and run back down the court, I'm like, okay. Okay, right? And we all say we ain't going to be that person. I used to make fun of my mom all the time when she'd get worried about me about anything. Oh, man, I ain't, I ain't going to worry about my kids like that. Please, please. <laughs> if you don't, something's wrong with you, right? You need to check your pulse. Something is wrong with you. So I can only imagine, only imagine what his mom is thinking while she's in the back of the ambulance. And who knows what's going on in the back of the ambulance. Not going to sit here and throw out what could have been going on, just knowing that she's sitting back there with him. With her 24-year-old kid, I couldn't imagine what that felt like for her. So, I mean, we, we're sending all the prayers in the world to, to DeMar. Want to make sure we send all the prayers up to her, the family, everyone. Because, again, as I mentioned on my podcast today, I mean, he's, he's somebody's son. You know, he's somebody's boyfriend or, or husband or father. or You know what I mean? It's just that's, 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 that's who he is. And that's what all these guys are that take the field each and every game. And, and we look at them as just – all these just big-time athletes, you know. And I think Devontae Adams really really kind of said it right in the locker room following the game. Willie Ramirez asked him about something about being, about being, you know, just how are you doing. Matter of fact, DeMond, if you have a chance, let's pull up, let's pull up the, uh, the, the DeMar, DeMar. That's all I could think of is DeMar. Devontae Adams' uh, sound from the locker room. Just play it for the first question. The first question is Willie Ramirez asking about just how he's doing, and he goes into detail about, right, after the game, I have to realize that I have a wife to go home to and kids to go home to. Here's, here's, here's uh, Devontae Adams in the Raiders' locker room right after the game, and you'll hear the question by Willie Ramirez. I asked you how you were feeling. You said, you know, you got your health, you failed yourself. That's, that's what's important. Is that sort of where your mindset is at, at this point with everything that's going on to just sort of get things, get through things and, and move on? Yeah, I mean, at this point, yeah, we, we put a lot into this year. We put everything that we had into it. And um, I think it showed, you know, the, the, the diligence that we had and the, the perseverance that we had. I mean, we fought through a lot this year, a lot of close games we didn't necessarily get to come out on the right side of. And, like I said, you just got to fall back on the positives in life sometimes, and that's how I, that's how I live my life now, and that's, you know, it's, it's helped my game. Um, you know, I can't even begin to explain it. Just just focusing on that type of stuff, focusing on the stuff that I can control, being as positive as possible in, in these situations where obviously it's not a, the most positive, uh, you know, for, as, as it pertains to our team. So, I mean, I just try to stay focused on that, and, you know, I got two girls I'm going to go home to, and, and my wife and the rest of my family, and they don't care about any of that stuff, so... Um, you know, you, you got to focus and, and definitely set your mind on, on the right thing when you come into this building and when you when you go out there on that field. But you know, once once the uh, the clock says zero, then you back to, to regular life and it's gonna it's gonna sting a little bit. But you got to focus on the positives and um, find a way to still enjoy. Even there, you go. That that's all I wanted you to, to hear was what he had to say. I, I kind of feel like it really pertained to this situation uh, because he said, "I have a wife to go home to. I have two girls to go home, and they don't care about W's and L's. They don't care about how many yards he caught, you know, passes for, and how many touchdowns he had." Now, of course, they're going to celebrate him, right? Of course, they're going to say, "Hey, you know, you had a great game." But at the end of the day, man, they're they're not looking at number seventeen when he walks through the door. They're looking at their their dad 
or their husband. That, that's who they're looking at walking through that door. They're not worried about, you know, any accolades, how many yards he has, if he broke Tim Brown's record. None of that matters. They're just glad to see their loved one back home from a game that they know is so dangerous and they know is, is anything could happen. They could be on the wrong end of that phone call or the wrong end. I mean, anybody, and I'm not putting it on them. I'm just saying that's any of these guys that take the field. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's a superstar or a special teamer or whatever the case. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter uh, what your what your uh, you know your status in the league is. Um, injuries in- injuries don't discriminate, right? They they just don't. They they it doesn't matter who it is. It can hit you at any time, and it's 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 awful. But it's it's one of those situations that uh, you know that that happens and it occurs in an NFL game. So uh, definitely appreciate the text. Appreciate all the calls that we've been receiving, and we'll continue to do more of that on the other side at 702-365-9200. I mentioned Deron Harmon and Vinny Monsignor. Uh, that was a one-on-one conversation. We have Lincoln Kennedy coming up. After Lincoln Kennedy, we'll get into that Deron Harmon conversation with Vinny. Uh, we also have Nate Hobbs that we can get to, and then Coach William Brownwell from uh, Mater Academy East, Tom Flores High School football coach of the week recipient is Girls Flag Football. Uh, they're back from break, and so uh, we'll talk to Coach about that and what it means to be that recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. Coming up next, Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network. He'll kick off hour number three of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.